All right, happy Easter to y'all. Thank you, I'll take that. May I tell you guys, uh, I had my own sunrise service this morning about 5 a.m. and got up and uh, I usually write out my prayers actually when I'm, when I'm going to pray and I do that on my computer. I flipped open my computer and just started my prayer off and I just said, man, dear Father, I mean today is the greatest victory in all of human history. That's what we celebrate today. This is what it's all about. And then my immediate thoughts went to March Madness. <clears throat> Just to let you know how spiritual your pastor is. Any other March Madness fans in here? Come on, man. All right, come on. Bam, not enough. We got, we got to work on that. But I'm telling you, man, you, this is one of the greatest sports times, too, uh, in America. And, uh, and if you haven't been watching it, I'm just watching these games, and they're, they're unbelievable. The victories, right? The celebrations. And so on Friday, I'm watching this game between Drake and Western Kentucky. Whoa, yeah. Yeah, the pain. It was amazing, though, because Western Kentucky is killing Drake. Drake's down by like 15 points in the second half. They don't have any hope, right? And then all of a sudden, they start to come back. And you guys know, man, if you're into sports at all, that whole idea of momentum, and all of it, man, when somebody starts to come back, the momentum starts to crank, and everything starts to shift. And what was so awesome is Drake comes all the way down from 15 points behind in the second half to tie the game at the very end. In fact, they had a chance to win with a layup at the end, and they missed it. But what was incredible was when you watch the camera pan the Drake sideline, right? All the guys in Drake, man, they're pumped. They're celebrating. Their coach was just smiling the whole time, and then they pan over to Western Kentucky, and everybody's down, right? Man, they got their towels on their heads. They're hanging down. Their arms are locked with each other. Why? Because they're going down. And you know it. They know, man, what, Drake's got the momentum. Well, they go into overtime, and when you got the momentum going into overtime, man, you almost always win. And you could see it. Western Kentucky, the whole overtime, they were just down, and Drake was pumped. And so seven seconds are left in the game, and Drake scores, and there's only, they're up by one with seven seconds left. It's done. The Western Kentucky guy gets it. He runs down the, the court, gets right to the uh, three-point line where you think he's going to hit it, but instead he passes it behind him. This guy grabs the ball from beyond NBA three-point range. Three Drake players get right up in his face. He throws up this incredible, impossible shot, and he makes it. And they win. And I had Drake. And I'm like, and I'm standing there in front of the TV, and I'm going, you're kidding me. And it was this real hard thing for me because I was, I was bemoaning that fact, but it was an unbelievable celebration. And the best part was that the guys who had their towels over their head, who were draped down, who had been down and out, who knew they were going home, whose arms were linked together, in one instant, everything changed. Everything changed. And if you watch basketball, man, they're like, wah, right? And they're throwing their stuff off, and they're going, and they're hugging the guy who made the shot. One guy made the shot, and everybody else gets to celebrate. And you aren't watching March Madness? <laughs> Come on. I'm telling you guys, this is what it's all about. Is there one who can pull us out when we're going down? When you got no hope, man, your enemy, the opposition, he's got you and you're tanked. Is there anybody who can pull you out at the end? Is there anybody who can make the impossible shot? And so you look at Jesus Christ, right? These guys are following him. They gave up three years of their life. He is. They really believed he was the Messiah. 
And then they watched him get nailed to the cross. They put their towels over their heads. In fact, what it says is they went into this room, and what they were thinking was, man, if the Jews did that to Jesus, they're going to come after us. And so they locked the doors, and they were scared to death, and they were hiding in there. And then who was it that went to the tomb? A woman. So there you go. For all of you who don't think the Bible elevates women, while all the guys were with their towels over the head, the woman's like, well, let me check this out. She goes to the tomb and find out that it's empty. And she sees Jesus. And so she comes running back and she tells him he's alive. And they don't believe her. Just like all the rest of us guys, you know, we're, we're just pitiful. Until Jesus Christ walks into their midst. And all of a sudden they go, you made the shot! Woo! And it says they were overcome. I mean, come on, this isn't going to the second round of the marriage madness. This is somebody rose from the dead. You ever had that happen to one of the funerals you've been to? <laughs> I'm telling you guys, something happened on this day. And you guys, if Easter is bringing any of us in this room today one thing, it's hope. It's hope. And I guarantee you, in a size of room that with this many of us, there's some of you who need his hope right now. Your towel is over your head. You're sitting on the bench. You're locked arm with other people because you're going down. And you're wondering if there's anybody who can make the shot. I tell you guys, every good story has that type of conflict. Every one of them. Everyone has the bad guy. And then every story has this hero, right, who comes in and eventually saves the day. Did you guys have favorite superheroes when you were a kid? You know, let's actually take a poll. How many of you, your favorite superhero was Green Lantern? Yeah, I didn't think he'd get any votes. All right, we got one down here. We're going for one for Green Lantern. All right, he wasn't too popular, but how about Flash Gordon? Anybody Flash Gordon? Yeah, he's not doing too well either. All right, let's, all right. How about Spider-Man? Anybody like Spider-Man? All right, we got a few more Spider-Man. How about Underdog? Yeah, remember Underdog? Sweet. All right, let's, let's go for it. How many Superman? Well, there we go. What you got? All right. And how many, was it Wonder Woman? Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Come on. Come on now. You, because you know every young boy, their favorite superhero was Wonder Woman at one point or time. <laughs> Let's just be honest about it. All right. Well, in our home, there is only one real superhero. In our home. There it is, buddy. Come on, baby. Give it up for Caleb. Oh, check out those muscles. There is only one superhero. And it's, oh yeah, he's got the moves. Sweet. And a final show of strength. Power. He is the man. <laughs> All right. Oh, it's really funny, though. He was, he was Batman for Halloween, and ever since then, everything is Batman. Everything. In fact, uh, for Christmas, we were, my, all my relatives live all over the country, and so each kid was supposed to answer these questions that they'd send off to their cousin. Things like, you know, what's your favorite thing to do uh, when you have some free time? Batman. Right? What was your favorite vacation? Batman. What was the worst thing that happened to you this year? Batman. I mean, 
when you, when you get, it's, it's just consumed with Batman and with this superhero. But my favorite thing, when I'm putting him to bed, because I have to tell him a Batman story every night, every night, and then Caleb will look at me and he goes, superheroes defeat the bad guys, <laughs> and they save people. Superheroes defeat the bad guys, and they save people. All right, you guys, here we go. What do we need to be safe from? What do you need to be safe from? Who, what are the bad guys in your life right now? Got any bad guys in your life? How about anger? Anger's a bad guy. And for some of us in here, that's the thing that's just ruling us. How about pain? Some of us in here have so many painful memories of what happened into our life that we are stuck and they're just keeping us from being who we really want to be and that's a bad guy. How about fear? Anybody have fear of rejection or fear of failure or fear of the future? I mean, if you live with fear, that's a bad guy. How about insecurity? Because when our value depends on people's approval or their affirmation or their admiration of us, when, it, when your whole security relies on success, being successful, or money, now that's a bad guy right now, isn't it? If you're hoping in money, now is not the time to do that. Sometimes the bad guy is another person who's just not being what you want them to be, and sometimes the bad guy is the fact that there is no person, and you're really lonely. Loneliness is a huge bad guy. Sometimes it's jealousy or greed or bitterness, addictions to drugs or alcohol, sex, money, or approval, that's a bad guy. Broken relationships, and I would say maybe in the center of it all is self-centered, self-focused living is a really, really bad guy. And I think when we're experiencing those things in our life, we ask this question, who's going to save us? Where's the dude in the cape, Right? Who's going to fly in? And you know what? Because that's all we watch now, right, too, are superhero things. And you know how it works, right? They're going down. The towels are on their head. There's just a few seconds left. They're going to go in the molten lava. <sighs> Superman comes, and he rescues them. Where is he? Is there one? Are these just great stories, you know, to kind of get us with wishful thinking? Or is there one who can overcome fear, anger, pain, insecurity, broken relationships, jealousy, addictions? The guy who's faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, and he leaps tall buildings in a single bound. Where is that guy? <laughs> well, what was it like? You guys, I really do. I think that's what it was like when Jesus Christ was walking the earth. I think when he was on the earth, you know what was going on? If you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you'll see is people were going, dude, did you hear about this guy? Yeah, I mean, he was known, man. There's like, a, there's like a new superhero, and he's like real. He told me everything I ever did. Unbelievable. He teaches with authority. He's more powerful than a legion of angels. He heals people with a single touch. And people were going all over the place, and they're saying, there finally is someone who's overcoming the stuff that we're dealing with in our life. So there's a story in Mark chapter 9. Right after Jesus does the transfiguration where he shows all of his glory, right? He took off the Clark Kent disguise. 
And they got to see that he really was Superman. And then he comes down the mountain, and there's this guy who was trying to bring his son to Jesus. And his son was overtaken by an evil spirit. And nobody could do anything for him. And look what this, how this conversation goes. In Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 21, it says this. Can I have it on my monitor here? Because I Thank you. It says, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? See, and I, I, I wonder if Jesus could be here and speak to you today. I wonder if he would ask you the same question. How, how long have you been like this? How long have you been bitter? How, how long have you been empty? How long has this addiction been going on that you're hiding from everybody else? How long have you lived with anxiety, wondering about your fears of the future, fears of what would happen if somebody ever got to know who you are? How long has this been going on? And the father said, from childhood. And I know for some of us in here, man, we're going, that's, that's me, man. From childhood, I have struggled with these things. He goes on to say what? It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. Now, that's pretty extreme. I, I, my, I don't know many of you, but I guess not many of you have actually had an evil spirit that has overtaken your very body and tried to throw you into fire to kill you or thrown you into water to kill you. But can I tell you, you know this to be true. Some of you right now, your bad guy is destroying your life. And it has been since childhood. You know that you are not living the life that you wish you could live and that somewhere deep inside you almost know that you could. And sometimes it's really obvious. Sometimes people actually around us know what those things are and they're trying to help us out with those struggles. And most of the time, we're just really good Americans. And we made ourselves all pretty today and we're smiling with each other and internally, we're dying inside. And then this guy looks at Jesus and he says, but if you can do anything, Take pity on us and help us. And this next line is one of my favorite lines in all of Scripture. If you can, said Jesus. Thank you for laughing. Okay, I was, hope, I was hoping there should have been a huge chuckle. Like, not a huge one, just kind of murmur of laughter. This is humor, you guys. This is the Bible. It's humorous. It's like this guy comes up and says, listen, my son from childhood, has had this evil spirit, and he keeps throwing him in the fire. He's, he's trying to kill him. And can you do anything? And it's like Jesus steps in, he's got this big S on his chest, if you can. <laughs> do you know who you're talking to? It's like, it'd be like some guy coming up to Superman and going, dude, my cat's up in the tree. Can you help us? If I can, you know? Or more likely like, hey, I'm falling 60 stories from a building. Because that's kind of like Lois Lane-ish, right? Can you do anything? And at the last minute, the superhero comes and he rescues him. What does Jesus say? If you can? It's almost like he's saying, do you have any idea who you're talking to here? Everything is possible for him who believes. All right. Now let's just be honest. Is there anybody in this room don't, you don't raise your hand. But is there anybody in this room who actually believes that? That everything is possible for him who believes? 
Now, some of those guys are pretty high percentage, you know. I believe a lot's possible. Is everything possible? And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. This is crazy, you guys. Believe what? Everything's possible for him who believes. What? Do we, really? You mean all my fear, my anger, my brokenness, and my pain, and my insecurities, and all my false people that I put out there for everybody else to deal with? Everything's possible. I could actually get some healing, and you could overcome this in my life? Yeah, all you got to do is believe. Well, dude, sign me up, right? Is that easy? Because what do we got to believe? Well, in 1 John, it says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So here's my question. Are you overcoming the world? Isn't that funny? Because I bet you any money if I ask you right now, hey, do you believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God? The majority of us in this room would go, yeah. And then we go, and are you overcoming the world? No. So what's, what's this all about? Is this stuff true or is this, you know, I'm, telling, I'm gonna tell you right now, I've struggled all week long. Is this true or not? Because if it's not, it's a beautiful day outside and let's just go. But if it's true that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then something's going on here. If it's true that there's a guy who made the impossible shot so that we would have hope, then come on, let's figure this puppy out. Because I want to experience this in my life. In fact, I think it was a joke yesterday for me. I think God just did this to me yesterday. I, I had a horrible day yesterday. I, in the morning, got up, and it just started bad right from the beginning. And next thing you know, I'm doing the dishes, and I'm sinking. You know? Hey, I'm doing the dishes. That's right. That's why I was so bad. What's up with that? I mean, I've got my towel over my head, right? I, and next thing you know, every negative thought possible is coming my way. About Susie, about my family, about me, about the church, about people, some of you in here. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And I'm sitting there going, and i got to speak on Easter tomorrow? That Jesus overcame? Where is it? Where is it? Well, see, here's what's funny. He says, well, if you believe. See, and I think many of us say, well, I believe, but that's only at one level do we really believe. You know the Bible says, right, even the demons believe that there's one God. So there's a level of belief that doesn't really have any effect at all. To believe Jesus, Son of God, and he rose from the dead? Okay, that's a good start. But see, in that story I shared with you, says when he brought his son to Jesus, the evil spirit recognized Jesus and threw the boy into a convulsion. See, even the demons believe, oh, shoo, that's the son of God. So you might think he is, but there's another level of belief that we have to get to for anything to actually take effect. And that belief is that I actually trust you. I actually follow you. In fact, when you say to do something, I do it because I believe in you. See, because when we don't follow God, what we're really saying is, I actually trust me more, <laughs> or I trust my perception, or I trust, I'm trusting in finances to satisfy me, or the person sitting next to me is going to be the one who fulfills me. Come on. And when we do that, that's a struggle, you guys. 
And so what do we got to believe? Here's a couple things. Here's what we got to believe. Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 12, says this. You know the story of how Adam, and Andy spoke on this at Good Friday, so um, if you were there, you know this. You know the story of how Adam landed us in this dilemma we're in. First sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone. And if you don't know the story, the story, I can't go into it because i got to bust through to the good stuff. But the story here is this. Human nature in the very beginning. God said, hey man, look at all I've done for you. Just, just one thing I don't want you to do, right? Just don't eat that. What's human nature? Oh good, I'll have that. Thank you. And can you not relate to that? I mean, every single day, now, you and I have this nature that actually listens to itself. We listen to ourselves more than we listen to God. And it's a problem. And the first thing we got to realize is that we got a problem. The first thing we got to believe is that we're actually falling 60 feet from the ground. Because <laughs> if you don't feel like you're falling 60 floors down, then you won't cry out. And then when you hit, it's kind of a bummer. You wish the superhero would have come. So we got to know that there's this problem called sin that leads to death. But then check this out. Oh, you guys, I'm just going to read this. Soaking this. This is so good. Yet the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin put crowds of people at the dead-end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no comparison between the death-dealing sin and this generous life-giving gift. The verdict on that one sin was the death sentence, but the verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. You guys, again, this is why sports are so important. <laughs> Agony and fear and depression and no hope. Towel over your head. We're going down. It's over. Going to hop on the bus and go home. Human nature has been delivered that death sentence. And some of you are feeling it right now. But there's no comparison. Check out this next part. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery that life makes? Sovereign life in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the, old, that the one man Jesus Christ provides. Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us all in this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. That's what we're celebrating today. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. And one man said yes to God and he put many people in the right. You guys, what Jesus Christ did is he defeated sin. See, you and I, every single day, we say no to God. No, 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 no. I don't trust you, God. Jesus Christ said yes to God every time. There was no sin in him. He never once lived for himself. He always loved the Father, and he always loved people. Always. And then, 
when he was killed. There was no sin in him, so death couldn't hold him down. There was nothing to hold him down. There was no death in him, and he rose from the dead. Now, I heard this guy this week, and he said, you know what's interesting? If you ask most Christians, why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? Most Christians are right off the bat say, well, to die, he died for my sins, to forgive me of my sins. Great. Why did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? And most Christians go, because it's a great story. And I don't know. And, and you guys, if we don't know, then we're only getting half the story. Yes. Do we need our sins forgiven? Uh, do you need your sins forgiven? I need my sins. Thank you, Jesus. Great. Awesome. But do you know why he rose from the dead? Was so that he could be alive right now to overcome in you your fear, your selfishness, your anger, and your bitterness, your pain, everything that's keeping you from living the life that's not what he intended you to have. Because Jesus Christ came to destroy the work of the devil, and it says he came to give you life and life to the full. And if he didn't rise from the dead, then you and I'd be down here maybe forgiven, but we'd be like, no power. But because he's risen, he's alive today. And I want to tell you, I want to say yes to that. So here I am yesterday with no power whatsoever. All I want to do is go sulk. All I do is want to struggle, right, and, all, and suffer through all my trials. And so I'm sitting there, yeah, God, come on, I'm a pastor. I believe this stuff, right? Help my unbelief. Help me, God. Help me. Help me. Help me. Dang it. I didn't swear. Um, but I want to tell you, I have been so angry all week long. And you know why I'm angry? Because so many of us in here believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and we're celebrating Easter because he died on the cross and he rose again, and it isn't having any effect in our life. And that is sick and wrong. And it's just ticked me off. That people's lives are falling apart when Jesus Christ is sitting up there in heaven with resurrection power. And there's something wrong here. There's something wrong here. There's a disconnect here. And so I sit there and I go, and there's a disconnect for me. Susie and I are looking at each other and going, yeah, how can we teach this stuff unless it's having an effect? I don't want to teach a theory. It's a like I said, it's a nice day. Let's go. But if Jesus Christ is alive today, could he make a difference in our lives? Come look, look back. Can you imagine the breathtaking recovery that life makes, sovereign life, in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift? So here's the question, you guys. What do we got to do? See, the last thing I want to do is give you one more Easter service where you come to Easter, hear that Jesus rose from the dead, sing a couple hymns, and go home and go back into your mess. I want to take the risen Christ into your mess. Well, how? I'm telling you right now, you got to grab onto it with both hands. And you know what? The only way to grab onto it with both hands is you got to let go of what you're grabbing onto right now. Some of you, all you want is success. Some of you, all you're waiting for is a person in your life to fulfill you and be the person you need them to be. Some of you, you've got, you've got money, you've got prestige, you've got all the stuff you're holding on to. And some of you, it's your own sin and you don't care. And what you got to do is you got to let go of that. And you got to trade it for the one who overcomes. And you got to grab on with both hands. Susie reminded me of the story where the guy went out, Jesus told, where he went out in the field 
right? And when he got out in the field, he saw this treasure. And it says, and I'll just read it. And he says, the kingdom of God is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and he sold all he had. And he bought the field. Can you, you know what was going on when he did that, you guys? And this is what will go on for you. Is people will look at you and go, are you nuts? Are you absolutely crazy? You just sold all you had and you bought a stupid field? And the guy's sitting there going, no, don't do it. You're nuts. There's a treasure in the field. And it's so more valuable than what I got right now. You, you, what I just sold, everything I had, and what I got, huge discrepancy. And I just want to tell you today, sorry for getting so fired up, but I'm telling you, I'm so sick of playing the game, personally and for you. I don't want to be a part of a church that's just going to do religious stuff. I will quit in a second, but I will be a part of a church that believes that Jesus Christ is alive today, and I'm going to grab onto him with both hands, and I'm going to experience change in my life, the kingdom of God reigning in me. And my struggle is no different than yours to do it. And I just want to say, you're going to do it. Are you going to surrender? Will you trade all your stuff and your fear and your anger and your bitterness, your pain, and your self-centered living and your lack of trust, will you trade that now? And say, God, I need you to make the shot. Because if you don't make it, my marriage is going down. If you don't make that shot, I don't even want to live. If you don't make that shot, somebody's got to come and bring the victory in my life because I can't do it myself. And when you die, will you die? Or will you have eternal life inside your being and live forever? And that's what we got to figure out. So here's what we're going to do, you guys. Look inside your program. There's a sheet in there for you. And in that box at the top, we have some lyrics from a song that many of you know. You probably never thought about Jesus when you heard this. You will from now on. It says, if I traded it all, and if I gave it all away for one thing, if I sorted it out, and if I knew all about this one thing, wouldn't that be something? And when we thought of the song, we just realized, you guys, you know, this is, this is what we got to work with right here. There is one and only one who always says yes to God, and it's Jesus Christ. And then there's us who most of the time say no to God. We need him in us, the resurrected Christ, into our life to help us to say yes to God, to help us to believe, and to help us to have what it takes to live the life that God has for us. We need him in us. And the only way you get him in us is you've got to trade what you're holding on to to receive what he wants to give you. So as we listen to this song, I'm just going to give you a chance. And basically, you guys, what you're going to do right now is you're going to decide, do I want to worship this risen Christ? Or do I want to continue to worship whatever it is that's controlling my life? Who do you want to control your life? Yourself or Jesus? or your work, or a person? And will you trade it? And if you will, then put it in that line and just hold on to this thing for a minute. We're going to take our offering during this time, and if you're visiting, don't worry about, this isn't about money for K2. 
The whole offering is just another thing that you give to God. You say, I trust you with everything. You've given me so much. I just want to give back to you. If you want to give back like that, then take part in the offering. But mostly what I want you to do is I want you to worship him by figuring out if you're willing to trade the stuff in your life for the one who would overcome. Would you trade it all? Would you sell everything to get the treasure of Christ living inside your heart? Let's do it together.